think we've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it. We rock it like you're never gonna see us again. Come on over. Good evening, everyone. It is 10 p.m. and Pure Gold is live on the air for this September 27th, 2011. Already our last show of September, and we're ready for October. Probably the best time of year, folks, For if you're a sports fan. you got football and the baseball playoffs. I know that DG might disagree concerning that the Mets are not it, but it is a great time for to be a sports fan. Welcome to the show that covers everything, anything. It tells it like it is. My name is Joe Pacino, along with my tag team partner and co-host, David Gomez. Sir, how are you? I am doing fabulous, sir. And yourself? I'm doing well. I uh, thought about what today was, today, September 27th, and I was thinking to myself, man, a month has gone by already where uh, Hurricane Irene was passing by because it was uh, August 27th where I was taking everything up from my basement and making sure that everything was secure for this Hurricane Irene, and then I was actually evacuating around this time, sir, one month ago. Yeah, it's crazy. It's already been a month, and I remember that wild weekend, as it were. I mean, not so much here where I live, but all over the place, all over the state, all over this, you know, this neck of the woods. So it's definitely crazy. Time absolutely yep. does fly, sir, when you're doing pure gold. <laughs> so true. So let's give out the contact information, and let's get this busy show on the road. <laughs> Folks, as always, uh, you'd like to get in touch with us if you'd like to uh, call on our show. That number is 714 you can check out our website, puregoldpg.com, and of course there you can see links to our Twitters, the two separate accounts that Joe and I both have. You can check out our Facebook and our YouTube. Once again, puregoldpg.com, and the number to call in, 714-364-4721. Thank you, sir. Well, folks, the NFL season, week three is in the books, and... Uh, I must say, starting off with my team first, DG, that the Jets really um, just did not show up in Oakland. And uh, they, you know, like I mentioned last week, the the Jets rarely play well in Oakland. I think the last time that they were there, they actually won 38 nothing. And I don't know if this was like a revenge game or what it was. You know, they people even like the coach of the Oakland Raiders, I forget his name, I don't really care what his name is anyway, but... He was talking about how Mark Sanchez was eating a hot dog last last game, and you know he thought that was showing them up. But I'm not sure eating a hot dog is good motivation to beat the other team. But anyway, the Jets basically just didn't show up defensively. I mean, you said it, DG, in our production meeting. Uh, Rex's vaunted defense was just non-existent. I mean, all I said was last week was, please stop the run and then worry about you know you could put Revis and Cromartie on their own little islands and let them cover the wide receivers because, let's face it, uh, you know, their quarterback, Jason Campbell, is just not a good quarterback. So all you have to really do is stop the run. And, you know, the Jets gave up an early score, DG, in the beginning of the game. It was down, They were down 7 nothing, but they were able to come back, tie the game. And actually they were up 17-7, to and then just like the wheels fell off, DG. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just that Darren McFadden ran all over the vaunted Rex of defense. And for one week, the Jets looked very beatable, and they looked like um, a mediocre team. Well, of course, they're definitely vaunted. I mean, Rex came in here as a defensive specialist, and obviously he's the he's the uh, head coach. So, you know, things things change a bit when it comes to that. But uh, let me ask you this: Do you think that um, <clears throat> do you think that the Jets are going to recover from this this week in Baltimore, or are you uh, are you a little worried? Give me your take. Give us your take as a, as a diehard Jet fan. 
Well, considering that the Jets, you know, and Rex Ryan claims that this is the team that's going to win the Super Bowl this year, uh, after losing to Oakland in Oakland, I am concerned because this is the rough stretch of their schedule. And, yes, it's early on in the season, but, you know, you don't want to lose all three of these road games. And, I, you know, I pretty much penciled in a victory for the Jets because I didn't think Oakland was that good, DG. I thought that, like I said, if you stop the run, you could beat Oakland Raiders in Oakland, even if they were, you know, playing at the New Meadowland Stadium or whatever it's called, New MetLife Stadium. But uh, I am concerned for Sunday night. The Jets play at Baltimore. We could get later. We could talk about later about the picks and analysis. But yes, I am concerned to answer your question because, again, they go play Baltimore, who's a better defense than Oakland, and then they gotta go play at New England. Uh, you know, and you know, when you look at New England, the, you know, for yeah. a team that, you know. <laughs> For a team that's supposed to be like the best team in the NFL, next to maybe the defending champion Super Bowl back uh, Green Bay Packers, um, the the Patriots look very, very bad on defense, sir. I mean, it would, if if I told you there's going to be one team in the AFC after Week Three that's going to be undefeated, would you have guessed it's the Buffalo Bills? No, sir, definitely not. There's no way that I would have guessed that the Buffalo Bills were that team. Um, you know, they they look they look pretty good so far. I mean, obviously, you know. As it were with the Bills, all good things must come to an end. But let's talk about the pass for a second, sir. Uh, the, the Patriots have always focused on pass, 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 and that seems to be a bit of a downfall because, sir, they have no running game. So when Brady's off, when things aren't clicking, as it were, on that one side of the football, they don't have anything to fall back on. Now, do you think that this is going to be a problem for the pass? Obviously, the Jets fan, you hope. But throughout the rest of the year, are we going to look at the Patriots struggling or are we going to look at them uh, getting it together and, uh, you know, Bill Belichick and his bag of tricks? fixing the ship. I really think that this is going to be a problem for the Patriots for the rest of the season. I think that, you know, they can't rely on Tom Brady all the time, and it seems like that's what they've done. They want to go with the all-pass game, and you know, like you said, they don't really run the ball that well, and granted, the Jets haven't really run the ball that well either, but the def- if I was to pick the defense between the Patriots and the Jets, I'd say the Jets' defense is a little better right about now, considering that the, I think the Patriots are either last or dead last in yards uh, given, you know, given up. So if I'm the Pats, I'm a little concerned that, you know, you can't, I mean, 2007 proved that, you know, Tom Brady could have a great, his greatest year ever and still lose in the Super Bowl. So I, I'd be concerned if I'm the Patriots, sir. And, um, you know, uh, that's a good thing as a Jeff fan, obviously. Of course. And it's interesting you bring up the 2007 Super Bowl because, of course, that is when the much heralded at the time, at least, New York Giant defense really won that Super Bowl for them and kept Tom Brady in the pass down. So would you equate, as a football fan, would you equate um, pitching to defense and then, of course, to offense to hitting? I mean, do you think that pitching is what really uh, wins the game or, in this case, defense? What I've learned about the NFL, um, the way NFL's the, the rules have been structured lately over the last couple of years is that you don't need to have a great defense. Like, I don't think the Giants had a great defense in 2007. I think that the the days of having great defenses week in and week out are pretty much done. I think you just count on having a, a decent defense show up, uh, especially in the playoffs. So the Green Bay Packers last year, they had a, a decent defense, but you know, they, Aaron Rodgers really carried that team throughout the playoffs. So I think that the defenses are important, but I don't think it's – you can't really compare it to the pitching – in baseball, because I think pitching always beats good hitting. I think you could have a, a decent offense and a decent defense, and you could still be a team with a great defense. 
Yeah, but how could you say this? I mean, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but how could you say the Giants' defense in 07 wasn't great? The Giants had an excellent defense. They had one of the best in the league that year. I mean, they had Michael Strahan, who was still, you know, getting it done, obviously, his last year. Justin Tuck at the top of his game, who should have been the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, you know, they had Kavika Mitchell. The, the Giants had, had an excellent defense, sir. I mean, you know, wh- wh- what are you talking about? But I'm saying you don't need to have the greatest defense week in and week out to win a Super Bowl nowadays. I don't think the Giants had the best defense all year round in 2007, do you? I mean, they barely made the playoffs. Yeah, that was that was definitely a, a rough year, sir, uh, you know, as it were in that sense. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of that, you're right. You don't have to have it week in and week out. But, you, you know, you need the team to show up uh, when it counts. I mean, if you compare it to, to baseball, for example, you know, going back to the pitching analogy – yeah, look at the Yankees. They haven't had the best pitching week in and week out, but, I mean, they're up there. With, I think they're the second-best record in all of baseball. So, you know, it, it, when the push comes to shove, you need that side of the, the ball to step up to the plate. I just wonder about the, the Pats, and obviously, again, as a Jets fan, you're, you're loving it, but I wonder about the Pats. I mean, are they going to be able to, uh, you know, to make that happen? Are they going to be able to, to go anywhere this year if their defense is just so weak, sir? If the first three weeks are indicative of how the season's going to go, the Giants, I mean, the pa- the Patriots, not the Giants, the Patriots are going to have to rely on Tom Brady again like they did in 07 to get far into the season and get into the playoffs. I don't think that this defense, whether it's just too young or just doesn't understand Bill Belichick's schemes at the moment because this is a relatively young defenser, I think that this team will need maybe a couple of years to understand their defense because they're just giving up yards by the bunch, by the bushel, as you will. I mean, let's face it. The the Patriots, for as good as they are offensively, are ranked, like I said, either dead last or last. And believe it or not, it's either 31st or 32nd. And you know who either has the worst or second worst defense? Who's that, sir? That would be the Green Bay Packers, the, the other team that's 3-0, which is hard to believe. So you can see that you know having a good offense nowadays is really good. And uh, if you know, like I said, I can understand the Green Bay Packers being 3-0, because they are the defending champions, and I looked at their schedule. But, sir, do you know the only other 3-0 team in the NFL currently? Lay it on me, sir. That would be the vaunted, uh, I was going to say the vaunted Green Bay Packers, but that would be the vaunted Detroit Lions. Wow, the Lions. You know, I remember listening to the radio the other day, and they were talking about how, I forget who the the host was, but saying that Matt Stafford is, is impressive and is better than he thought that Matt Stafford would be. I'm happy for the tig- uh, the Tigers. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy for the Tigers, too. Oh, Justin Berlin is probably going to win the, uh, the Cy Young. But anyway, um, <laughs> you folks, only here on PSU, we start flipping baseball, basketball, football, just anything that fits. You know, it, it doesn't matter what sport we're talking about. We'll make it work. Uh, yeah, Justin Berlin is a great quarterback for the, uh, the Lions. So he's doing a good <laughs> No, but seriously, um, I'm happy for the Lions because they've been so bad for so long. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to go win the Super Bowl or even the World Series, but I think that uh, it, it's good to see that the yeah the the Lions fans, the people in Mo- the Motor City, have something to look forward to, sir. Yeah, and then you look at the uh, the divisions, and uh, let's just focus on right now on the NFC East. And uh, let's face it, folks, I was dead wrong last week when we went through the analysis of the New York Giant Philadelphia Eagle game because I think I, we I all thought... were, sir. I mean, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. I don't think anybody called that game. I know, but let me eat some crow here because I really thought with all the uh, all the injuries that the Giants had, and considering that I don't think Eli Manning is that great of a quarterback, he's definitely not top ten in my book. No, um, definitely not. I agree with you. He's a he's a good quarterback, and he won the Super Bowl, so I can't really 
and he's a Super Bowl MVP to top that, so I can't really rip him that much. But I didn't think he could put the team on his shoulders, and he actually did a great job on Sunday, and the Giants were able to win a huge game. I think this might actually turn the season around, sir. I mean, you look at the teams now. Dallas Cowboys beat the Redskins last night, so you have a logjam of 2-1 teams, and the Eagles, the dream team, the dream team that Vince Young has labeled this team as the Philadelphia Eagles are in dead last. They're one and two, and then you have the Giants, Cowboys, and Redskins at two and one, sir. I mean, uh, th- that was a great win for you guys. Oh, absolutely. You know, Eli got the job done, which is just so important. And at the end of the game, you know, the Giants stopped the the Eagles when they were over the, at the uh, basically at the one yard line trying to get a touchdown, and, and you know they were able to to pull away a great victory. I didn't even think the Giants were going to win, sir. Honestly, and here I am as a Giants fan. You know, I never, I never say I pick against my team, but you know, Vic, uh, the Giants were able to contain him. Obviously, he ended up. Uh, I think it was a stress fracture. They initially reported it as being broken his non-throwing hand, which would be his right hand. Um, they they reported that that hand may have been broken, but obviously that is not the case. Um, you know, they were able to just uh, do something, sir. That I don't think too many people were were too confident. I mean, I know Saturday I was talking to my cousin who's a, who's a huge Giants fan, and both of us thought you know eight and eight at best. Uh, you know, I'm thinking more like seven and nine. Now, I'm not willing to uh, anoint them, you know, that this is going to turn their season around yet. I mean, if they have a couple games like this, then yeah. But still, with the injuries all being accounted for, it's going to be tough for them, sir. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's going to be tough for the G-men to overcome these injuries, considering how many injuries they do have. But, uh, you know, I like what I saw, and I'm, I'm pleased, sir. I'm definitely pleased by the performance that was put in, uh, considering that all their wide receivers seem to be injured. You know, they were able to put a little smackdown on Steve Smith, which is nice to see. I hope that, uh, you know, uh, Manningham will be able to come back. I hope that Victor Cruz can continue to play well, sir. And, uh, you know, the Giants need all the help they can get. I agree. I mean, the the injuries, um, there's plenty of them on the team. But, again, this is a win that I don't think, yeah, you're right, it probably doesn't turn the season around, but it does help you. I mean, to be 2-1 and one after three games and to beat – the Eagles, the team that everyone is picking. I mean, all the experts, let's face it, pick the Eagles to win that division. Them or the Redskins. And uh, granted, the Redskins are 2-1 and one after three weeks, but the, the Eagles are 1-2. and two. And, you know, Mike Vick, I mean, takes hit after hit after hit. You don't even know if he's going to make it the rest of the season. We talked about this before the season started, but the guy already has, a, like, a, a couple of nagging injuries already. It's only week three. So, yeah, I, I don't know about the Eagles, sir. I, I really don't. I, I agree with you on that, sir. Um, you know, I don't again talk about anointing the dream team. I, that's obviously a bit much, just like it was a bit much over in basketball with the Heat. But you know, l- let's focus on the uh, let's talk about the Redskins for a second. You mentioned I think you picked them to win the division, if I'm not mistaken. But let's talk about them uh, and what they did or what they didn't do last night with the Cowboys, who you know were able to overcome you know a lack of offense as it were. All they ended up doing was kicking field goal after field goal after field goal. But they got the job done. You know, they they won the game, 18-16, I believe. And uh, you know what, sir? I mean, good victory by the Cowboys. Uh, the Redskins just, just didn't seem to be able to to make it happen, sir. Now, uh, you know, give me your take on that. You're right. It was a game of field goals, and the Dallas Cowboys, I think the Dallas Cowboys needed that victory, too. They were at home. They were 1-1, one and, one, and they were facing a team. I mean, let's face it, if they lost, they'd be two games out, and you'd have the Redskins at 3-0. and So, I think that's a good job by the Cowboys. And now, uh, you know, you look at these divisions, sir, the NFC East is really strong with a bunch of 2-1 teams. The AFC East is strong with a 3-0 and and then 2-1 two, two teams. Um, and then you look around the rest of the league, and, you know, 
Um, I'm looking here. Like, let's forget about the NFC West because the San Francisco 49ers are probably the best team, and that that doesn't say much for that division. You look at the, <laughs> the, the you look at the New Orleans Saints, and they're two and one in a division with the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they should win that division. You got you're going to have a competitive division with the NFC North with the Packers and Lions because they're both three and zero. The Giants, like I just discussed about, I mean the AFC West. The Oakland Raiders might be the best team in that division. That's not saying much either, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, you have the AFC South, the Houston Texans. That I, mean, I don't know if you know about that game, sir, but the the Houston Texans were up big against the New Orleans Saints, and the Houston Texans lost by seven points. I think the score was forty to thirty-three. But that's that was a pretty big blow to the Houston Texans. They were going to go three and zero, and then they just collapsed in the third and fourth quarter. So you got the um, they should be able to win that division, but the, you know you have the Tennessee Titans at two and one as well, and then you have the AFC North, which has you know the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Granted, the the Cleveland Browns are also two and one, but uh, that division is always uh, you know always a, t- a tough division to pick because you got the Ravens and the Steelers. So after three weeks, sir, I mean that's why I think that the NFC the NFL season is such a long season because week to week. I mean, two weeks ago I was riding high, being two and zero, or last week I was two and zero, and you were one and one, wondering, you know, how much are they going to get killed? How much is my team going to get killed by the Eagles? And now look at us—we're both two and one, but you're feeling mighty good about your team, and I'm feeling like, oh crap, I got to go play Baltimore and then got to go play at New England. Right, right, and it's tough, and you know, you mentioned all the different divisions. Let's touch on this for a second, sir. How the world? Yeah. I, I know this is something that you know. I, I guess it's not for pure gold to to figure these things out. I mean, we're not the NFL, but how the hell are the uh, Baltimore Ravens in the AFC North when they're over here on the East Coast? Can you explain that to me, sir? Who the hell thinks of this crap? You're right. That that alignment is a little off, if you ask me. I mean, I don't know what team you could replace that with. I, I, I guess you could put the Indianapolis Colts in the North, I mean, and bring the Ravens down to the South. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, sure, why not? But but you know, put the Ravens uh, over, uh, you know, make a West Coast and just have them over in the West Coast. I mean, you know, it's just it's kind of <laughs> nonsensical. I, you know, I remember when the uh, in baseball when the Atlanta Braves were a West Coast team. And I'm thinking, really, really, <laughs> if I could put them in, sir, I, I don't know. It's just something that I thought about. What's interesting about this about this uh, week, sir? You mentioned the the, the comeback um, that you were just talking about, and then, of course, we t- we touched on this earlier, but I just found it so fascinating. The Patriots up, well, it was 31 to nothing, if I'm not mistaken, and to lose to the Bills, I mean, it's just crazy the, the way that the offense has trampled on the defense and basically, uh, you know, all across the league. Do you think that that's due solely to the fact that, you know, in the NFL we had the, the lockout and teams weren't able to recuperate or, or to recover, but it seems like the the defense is just, it's just not there. So overall across the league. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, it probably is a little bit of the lockout and a little bit of the new rules that you really can't lay your hands on the wide receivers. I mean, uh, quarterbacks and wide receivers are getting much smarter nowadays, and uh, there's a lot of that, you know, back over the shoulder throw, like where you throw it on the opposite shoulder instead of the, the, the true shoulder. So you got a lot of different plays that the defense just can't defend nowadays because of the rules and because this quarterback and wide receiver have gotten much smarter. So... Um, it's it's interesting because the lockout definitely had an effect on the defenses in which, you know, you heard experts talk about it. They said that the offenses were going to take a while to get clicking, and it seems like it's been there's been more points scored in the first three weeks of this season than any other season in the history of the NFL season. So that sells a lot, too. 
Do you think it's going to level out by season's end, or are we just looking at an offensive explosion? I mean, is this like the juice ball over in uh, baseball, like the late 90s, or is this just, uh, again, a phenomenon? I don't see why the scoring doesn't continue, to be honest with you. Maybe when it gets into inclement weather, when we reach, you know, snow and, uh, and you know, just freezing cold weather, maybe the scores drop a little bit. But uh, I, I see the, the pattern continuing. I mean, the teams with the high-power offenses are going to continue to score points on the defenses that are so mediocre nowadays that um, it's just going to be a shame to see because, like, most people want to see good game, good defensive games, but you, I don't think you're going to get to see that this year. And maybe the rules might change after this season. They might reassess. But right now I think you're going to see a lot of points on the board throughout the season, and you might see a lot of points on the board in the playoffs and the Super Bowl because the offenses are just that much better this this year than the defenses. Sir, are you the type of guy who prefers – Offense to defense, or, or do you like a nice mix of both? I mean, are you the type of guy who wants to see, like, you know, 45, 38 games or, or you know, 45, 41 on a regular basis, or do you like a little defense mixed in there, sir, sprinkled in on your offensive salad? <laughs> I definitely want some defense sprinkled into my uh, NFL salad because I, I, I like those, <laughs> like, 24, I like those 24, 21 games, 27, 24 games. Where there's like you know there's some defense and it's not like every possession there's a score. I think that's just overkill to me. I I, I want to see my defense go three and out occasionally and you know get the ball back to the offense. So, sir, I don't I don't like like these huge scores. I mean, like you were saying, the Buffalo Bills beat the the New England Patriots 34-31. And sir, do you know what happened at the end of that game? By the way, uh no, uh, lay it on me, sir. The Buffalo Bills were actually at like the two yard line with about a minute and thirty left and uh Bill Belichick had told his defense just let them score and he actually admitted this. He says just let them score so we can get the ball back and try to tie the game and to go overtime. So what the Buffalo Bills did was instead of trying to score right away, all they did was take three straight knees so that the Patriots would have to use all their timeouts and even after that they would they weren't able to stop the clock and then the Buffalo Bills kicked the game-winning field goal with about three seconds left. Wow, that sounds like a wild finish, sir, and if I was able to watch it, I definitely would have been. Uh, you know, we can get into what we did this weekend, uh, obviously, as we saw each other. We can get into that a little bit later, but, um, you know, it sounds like an exciting game, and I remember watching little highlights and clips of it, so it, it's always nice to see the, the Patriots lose. I am definitely definitely have no love loss for them, sir, unlike the other uh, team up in up in Beantown, but we can uh, we can touch on that later. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, while we're on the NFL topic, I mean, week three is in the book, so uh, you guys, I believe, are traveling to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Um, do you have any feeling that this might be a letdown week by chance? Do you think that the Giants will now slip up and maybe lose this week? Honestly, sir, I don't see I don't see this Giants team. I, I don't see letdown in the cards uh, simply because... <laughs> That's a good joke. <laughs> Yeah, that, and that was totally unintentional, by the way. <laughs> um, I definitely don't see a letdown in the works with this team because, I mean, you know, l- l- let's be honest. What are we? What am I looking forward to as a fan? What are they looking forward to? The Giants can't feel confident. Obviously, you're not thinking, oh, you know, we're going to blow every game as a team, but you've got to think to yourself, all right, well, you know, we're, we have all these injuries. Uh, this is definitely not our, our banner year in terms of uh, staying healthy. So we're not going to take anything for granted. And we're going to go in there thinking, you know what, we need to make it uh, tough. We need to play tough. We need to do everything we, we, we can, scratch, claw, do everything. I honestly, sir, just do not see the, there being a letdown game. Will the Giants win? I believe so. Obviously, you know, 
if, if nobody else gets injured. But I absolutely do not see a letdown game in the works for the Giants at all because the Giants just don't have the type of team where they can sit there and go in there, you know, puffing their chest out like, oh, this is easy, you know, uh, to quote, um, you know, one of your favorite movies, uh, The King of the Castle. I don't think the Giants are going to think that. I think that uh, Tom Coughlin is going to keep them on their toes. And, of course, injury is going to keep them on their toes. So, you know, I believe the Giants will, will, will pull it out. Sir. I believe it will probably be a 27-24 game. But I, I, I truly believe that the New York Giants will be – Three and one after this week, sir. I agree with you on that because, um, but I don't think the score is going to be that close. I think that the Giants will play with confidence. They'll be able to run the ball against the Arizona Cardinals, even though they're in Arizona. So I'm going to go 27 to 10, and I don't think it's going to be that close. I think that I the prefer Giants, that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take that score. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I just think that the Giants will not suffer a letdown, especially against the Cardinals. I think that this win will actually boost them, uh, the booster confidence, knowing that. They are playing shorthanded in many positions, and uh, I think just they come with a victory, and they'll be three and one after this week. So, good luck to the Giants, and then my team will be playing Sunday night, October second, my seven-year winning anniversary. Cheap That's plug, great. huh? Yeah, definitely a cheap <laughs> plug, uh, and hopefully you'll get a cheap pop uh, that day when uh, you know Giants, excuse me, the Jets will uh, get the job done. So now, uh, let, let, let's be real here. You're a Jets fan. You're you're not going to pick against your team, but do you honestly believe in your heart of hearts the Jets are going to pull this game out? I mean, what what do you think is tougher? What's staring you in the face more, this game or next week against the Pats? What scares you more? Personally, I would say this game, but, again, that's me as a non-Jet fan. Give us your take, sir. Yeah, I mean, obviously, definitely, maybe, uh, this game scares me more because the defense of the Ravens is just that much better than the, the Pats' defense, and I think that... The Jets play well against the Pets. Granted, they got blown out, um, you know, the last their last meeting, not not the playoff game, but they got beat up 45 to three up in New England uh, during the regular season. But I just think that the Jets now know how to play this New England team. This Raven team, it's I'm not going to say it's a mirror image because I think that the Ravens defense is a little bit better than the Jets, but. You know, you're looking at like a 13 to 10 type game, and it's going to be one of those grind out. It's almost like a, a Pittsburgh Raven game where you know there's a there's a lot of hitting, there's a lot of hard hitting. But I think Rex Ryan is going to really beat up this team this week in practice and and just get on them about stopping the run and just getting to the quarterback because the Jets did such a poor job of stopping the run last week. And you know, you can't say the Jets are not prepared because that's just not fair. I think. Uh, Rex Ryan and his team always come prepared. I just think they got beat up, and you know sometimes you could draw up the best you know schemes and the best plays, but if you get you know outplayed on the field, then you got to tip your hat to a team like the Oakland Raiders because the Jets knew they had to stop the run and they couldn't stop the run. So you know hats off to them. But th- this week, I think the Jets need to win and they need to go three and one and go play up in New England. Three and one. I think the, the Patriots are going to win this week too. So you're going to be playing for you know two, three, one teams in two weeks. So let's hope that um, the Jets pull one out. And I think you know I can't pick the Jets to lose. So I'm going to say the Jets will win 16 to 10, sir. And uh, that's a good segue for our, our third person of the PG family. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, you mentioned something earlier. You talked about uh, you know a letdown and, and all t- other types of things. Uh, I was going to make a joke, but let, let me not do that, folks. We, we're going to introduce uh, the much vaunted, speaking of uh, vaunted members and, uh, you know, defense and stuff, the much vaunted member of the Pure Gold staff, the one and only impeccable, the incomparable Todd Johnstone, a.k.a. TJ. Sir, how are you doing this evening? 
oh, depressed, terribly depressed. My ninety-four point five percent pick, my ninety-four and a half percent pick ratio is down to a disgusting seventy-eight point five this week. So we're still making money, but my God, did we pick terrible? I went chalk on nearly every game, and I had eight losses out of sixteen. Ouch. Terrible, <laughs> terrible week. Yeah. I mean, I took Pats over the Bills. I took Miami over the Browns. I took the Texans over the Saints, the Eagles over the Giants, Jets over Raiders, Falcons over Bucks, Cards over Seahawks, Skins over the, the Cowboys. No, I didn't pick crazy. <laughs> These were not outlandish picks. <laughs> and I just got beat up this week. Speaking of getting beat up, boy, oh, boy, some really good games out there. You guys uh, were talking about Giants-Eagles early. Um, the Giants have got an outstanding running game, okay? Their running game is really quick on all cylinders. As far as them beating the Eagles, let's be honest, it was a third-string quarterback, fellas, okay? Let's be perfectly honest here. Michael Vick stays in that game, the Giants don't win. It's that simple. I don't like to put all that on one player. I'm not that kind of person, but let's be perfectly honest, the Giants beat a third-string quarterback, of course, right. if uh, it was the opposite and it was the Jets, you'd be saying how the Jets uh, had the greatest win in franchise history and they did an amazing job and they took down Tom Brady and, uh, you know, Drew Bledsoe and any other quarterback on the team and Matt Castle. But, no, it's the Giants. So, you know what, Todd? I got two words for you. Keep going. <laughs> if the tables were turned, I would be biting my tongue until I tasted blood and just taking the win and moving on. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of moving on, <laughs> how about those Detroit Lions? Boy, are they clicking on all cylinders. They, to me, seem to be the only complete team in the NFL right now. You know, we talked last week about teams just not looking complete, that everybody was, was needing something. They might need a little help on special teams, but, I mean, Stafford, 32 of 46 for 378 yards with two touchdowns, that seems pretty good to me. I, I don't really have too much trouble with that. And the running game wasn't phenomenal, but when you're swinging the ball all over the field like that with such great success, I mean, who needs to run the football? And, I mean, you guys were talking about the pass, too. I mean, Joe is absolutely right. Right now the pass are number 32 in defense. Now, for those of you following at home, that's 32 out of 32. They're the absolute worst team in the league on defense. Now, what do we know in week three? We know – that we don't know anything, okay? What we've seen so far is not indicative of how anybody's season is going to go. That we know for sure. The Pats will get that defense tightened up. They're not going to move past maybe 12th or 11th place, but they're not going to be in last place for very long. And, and conversely, the Tennessee Titans are not going to have the number one offense in the league for very long either. I mean, when you look at the top fives in offense, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Jack, or defense, I should say. Tennessee, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, and Dallas. Those numbers are ridiculous. Those teams don't have good defenses. Their defenses are, are weak. They have huge holes in them. They've got, they're riddled with injuries, et cetera, and so on. In week three, we don't know anything. Am I nervous about where my Jets are right now? Not at all. They have a winning record. What am I nervous about? They're two and one. I mean, there's 13 games still to play. I'm not nervous about anything. If we split with the Pats, fine. If we split with Miami, fine. If we split with the Bills, that I'm going to be a little bit nervous about because I think the Bills may very well be for real. But like I always say, 
until we see them face a quality opponent, we have, you know, there's really nothing we could say. They have not played a quality opponent. Are the Raiders a much improved team? Yeah, they got a hell of a running game going there. And Jason Campbell, just like I told you guys in the preseason, is for real. And he's finally found himself a home where he's going to be able to sling the ball the way that we know that he can. The Redskins. Um, I'm still on the Redskins. I still think they're far and above the best team in the division. Um, I think they'll win the division handily. What we saw last night was the gutsiest performance I've ever seen by Tony Romo yet. Not only was he brave enough to go out on the field and risk uh, further injury to those ribs and lungs, but, I mean, he was actually being something that we've never seen him be out on the field, and that's a leader. He was taking control of that team. You saw him correcting every mistake in play on the, on the field as they're walking back to the huddle. I mean, he was being a leader. It's something that he's never been. And they had the emotional high, and they won the game. The Redskins just came a little short. But the Redskins were able to do something last night on that field that the Cowboys weren't, and that score a touchdown. Bear that in mind. They still lost the game. I understand that. But they couldn't even score on a first and goal. Not even on a first and goal. It's the Cowboys. It's the same old Cowboys. They just had the ball bounce the right way. Let's not get crazy. The Buffalo Bills. Uh, You know, I have to say they're an exciting team to watch. It's not just them them beating the Pats. I mean, I rooted for the Bills in their – four Super Bowl tries. You know what I mean? If I'm going to root for another team, it's going to be the Bills. I like that little brother thing. I like that small team, that, that, uh, that little engine that could kind of mentality. I mean, I hate Miami. I grew up in the 80s hating Dan Marino. I grew I, – I, in my adult life, I've hated Tom Brady. Not the way I hate <laughs> Dan Marino, though. I hate the Dolphins with a whole different passion than, than I hate the Patriots. But I never hated the, the Bills – because they never saw them as a threat. I mean, let's face it, they haven't been a threat in two decades. But they are now. I think that this, this team might be for real. We'll see when they face a, a, a higher-quality opponent. I mean, I, I understand the Patriots are a quality opponent, but when, <laughs> do it again. You know what I mean? I'm one of those people. You have to show me on a regular basis that you can do it. So that's where I'm at. I'm nervous to even make picks for next week because I have shown that I can't pick for squat. I mean, to go 8-8 eight and eight this week was just absolutely pathetic. It was terrible. Then, then just do us one thing. Just break down the, the, uh, the Jet game. What do the Jets need to do on the, on the defensive side and the offensive side? Keep throwing the football. That's what I think they need to do. I mean, if you look at Sanchez's numbers, I mean, a fantasy is fantasy, and I understand that fantasy doesn't win football games. But, I mean, Sanchez gave me more fantasy points than Philip Rivers this week. I mean, that's, that's got to account for something. I mean, 27 of 43 for 369 yards, two, D, two TDs, two picks. <laughs> now, the one thing that my wife made sure that I mentioned tonight was that I was yelling and screaming about why isn't he throwing the ball away? Why is he taking those hits? The picks, you know, picks happen. Tom Brady will tell you all about that, all about that this week. Yeah. But the hits. He takes way too many unnecessary hits. It's one thing to be flushed out of the pocket, and he rolls very well out of the pocket. The bootlegs that he ran I thought were very clean. They looked really good, well-blocked, et cetera, and so on. But uh, the running game is not going to get it done against that front, against that front in, in Baltimore. 
We need to sling the ball. We need to throw the ball all over the field. <coughs> We're getting people involved. Derek Mason seemed like he was starting to get involved in the game. Plex has still yet to really get involved in the game. But the more Sanchez throws the football to them, the more those timing routes are going to be are going to be picked up easier. We saw LT run better than Sean Green out of the backfield. We saw him do what we brought him here for, and that's catch those swing passes and screens and bubble screens out of the backfield. And they were successful. Throw the football more. I don't even believe I'm saying it when I'm I am a running back person. I love the running game. I'm a fan of the three cloud the three yards in a cloud of dust. I love that crap because I love to see the blocking, the interior blocking. But to win the game, they got to throw the football. Throw the football. They'll win. Who's going to cover Plex? Who's going to cover Santonio Holmes? Who's going to cover Derek Mason? You don't think he wants to go back there and light that team up? Who's going to cover Dustin Keller? Who's going to cover LT out of the backfield? I still say go with a no-huddle offense. I still think that that's uh, a wise decision for Sanchez. Put him in some single back sets, which they started doing, and some empty, more empty backfields, spread that defense out, and throw it right over their heads. Plax will run by everybody. Santonio will cut underneath everybody. Dustin Keller will wiggle free on everybody. Throw the football. You heard it here first. And stop Ray Rice. <laughs> <laughs> and stop the run. I mean, when you think about it, you could play a Colts style of, of, of offense, a vintage Manning offense. Outscore your opponent and make them play from behind. They can't run the football. Very true. Put the, put the ball in Joe Flacco's hands and make him win the game for you. I think that the Baltimore Ravens have got a little bit a little bit extra positive press than they deserve because of that Steelers game. But the Colts went out there and beat the crap out of Ben Roethlisberger two days ago. And when was the last time the Colts had a good defense? I mean, I can't even remember in my lifetime them having a good defense short of a couple playoff games. Right. Yeah. I got to admit, I love how Todd does his, you know, his whole thing. He's, talking, he's doing his spiel, talking football, this and that. And Joe's response to it is, yeah. <laughs> Classic. Classic PG. Uh, you got anything else for us, Thanks, for, thanks for the vote of confidence. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, how did the Mets game turn out? I flipped past before, and they were winning in the ninth, and I just couldn't wait, watch anymore. Wait, who? What, what, what are you? The Mets. What, the Mets. Joe. All right. <laughs> Joe, I'm taking a lot of pleasure. The Mets? I, I just, I'm taking a lot of pleasure in this scenario that's playing out between uh, Tampa Bay, Boston, and the Yankees right now. I'm taking a lot of enjoyment out of this, I have to say. Watching the Yankees tank, the White Sox, or the, uh, the Rays win so that Boston gets assed out, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, yeah, I, I couldn't have a better situation. I'm definitely not loving that, but uh, you know we we can get into that in a minute. I just uh, you know I know Joe wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, about the MLB. I hate the Yankees. Um, the Rays, you know what? They blew it. They had their chance when they when they went to the World Series against the the Phillies. They they just totally coughed that one up. So uh, I'm not too high on them. And I'm, I picked the Red Sox to win it all. So you know earlier in the season. So this is definitely not looking too good here for me. Not looking too good at all. I just want Boston out of it. <laughs> Yeah, I bet you do. You, you know, you remind me of a buddy of mine at work who, uh, you know, my other job, my part-time job, uh, who is a 
Yankees fan, hates the Red Sox, and by default hates every other team from Boston, including the Patriots and everybody else. Even though he's a Giants fan and can care less about the AFC, he just hates everything about Boston, so it sounds like you there, Todd. <laughs> sounds like my kind of fella. Oh, of course. Now, uh, Todd, uh, anything else to, uh, you know, in terms of uh, the NFL, sir? Uh, I think that uh, some important stuff to watch is this uh, this uh, – this injury with Kenny Britt down in Tennessee. Um, I, I think you're going to see the return of T.O. That's, I, I just got a feeling. I got a weird feeling you're going to see the return of T.O. Really? <laughs> it's a long shot, but <laughs> who are they going to get? <laughs> who are they going to get? It's week three. Who are they going to get? Yeah, there's nobody out there. You're going to blow the dust off of Randy Moss for a second go around? I don't think so. No. Hey, stranger things yeah. have happened. Hey, you know, yes, they they certainly have. Interesting. I think you're going to see uh, – what do I think is going to happen? I think you're going to see the Patriots finally fall apart this year. I think that's what you're going to see. I think if they take one more injury – they're a lot like us. If they take one more injury to that offensive line, it's over. <laughs> they're just like us. Interesting. Huh? Very Interesting. Joe, any they comments can't on that? Or, quarterback either. You still awake there, Joe? I mean, you had any comments on this? <laughs> you, know, you, you, you said it all. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm all well, over the map. Of course, of course. Well, you know, that's just basically uh, that's how we do here on Pure Gold. You know, we let people rant and rave and just talk things, and then you know, Joe's over there falling asleep. I, I don't know what the hell he's doing, but uh, you know, listen, Todd. As always, sir, it's it's a pleasure, you know, having you on whenever you're you're able to discuss your take and your uh, you know, your opinions as it were. And of course, folks, let me just throw out a disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed by Todd Johnson are his and only his. <laughs> and do not I repeat, do not if you want to get sued for anything Todd says, uh, represent those of us here at Pure Gold. Giants Redskins in the NFC championship game. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. boy. Oh, Todd, Todd is getting boozed up. Listen, uh, hey, I, I'll take that right now, sir. I absolutely will take that. But, Todd, as always, we appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you know, checks in the mail. Once again, sir, we will uh, we look forward to having you on with us again next week. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Todd always throws that out there. You know, have you heard everyone, like, uh, you know, there's, there's 100 other people who are on the show right now. It's just that. Uh, JV and myself. Now, sir, you wanted to touch on baseball. Let's get into that. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of the WWE with our buddy Pyro, who is actually, uh, you know, waiting to get on. So, sir, hit us with your baseball points. All I have to say, sir, is that, yeah, I think that it was pretty safe to say at the beginning of the season that the Boston Red Sox, with their pitching staff, would have definitely won the division, or at the very least won the wild card. But for them to have choked up a nine-game lead after September 2nd to the Tampa Bay Rays, and now they're dead even. And by the way, the Red Sox are holding on to an 8-7 lead right now, and I think Baltimore has a chance to tie the game in the bottom of the ninth, which would destroy the Red Sox. Considering that the, the Yankees won their, I mean, the Yankees lost their game right in Tampa Bay, uh, obviously won them, which that means uh, Tampa Bay would have a one-game lead going into tomorrow. And um, any, I just wanted to mention, any any person that that doesn't like the whole wild card system is just like a, a fool, sir, because you have games coming down to the final game of the season tomorrow, 
And you look at even the NL between the race between the Atlanta Braves and the St. Louis Cardinals. The Braves lost today 7-1 to to the Philadelphia Phillies. And the St. Louis Cardinals have come all the way back from a 5 nothing. They're down 5 nothing. Now they're winning 9-6 against Houston. So that that chase might be – or that, that playoff chase might be tied after today. And you might be looking at a one-game playoff in both divisions, in both leagues. What do you think about that? I love it. I think it's uh, it's, it's always exciting. I mean, obviously, I don't want the, the Red Sox to blow this. But, sir, if they do blow this lead, it would erase a painful memory for us Mets fans because this would be the biggest collapse in the history of baseball. Bigger than seven up with 14 to go. I mean, you know, nine up with 20-some-odd games to go. I don't know what the hell happened to the Red Sox, but they've fallen apart. Obviously, the injuries and everything, but you know what? I mean, I heard uh, Maddo Chris Russo, who, uh, you know, we're obviously big fans of his from back in the day, but I don't know if he was if he was liquored up or what the hell he was thinking. He said that this collapse would be so bad that in his mind it would erase the 07 World Series. I mean, is he on drugs? Are you talking about erasing the, the, the 07 World Series based on, uh, you know, a little collapse here and there? Give me your take on that, sir. Yeah, I don't know if, how it would erase the 07 World Series. I mean, the team won a championship in 04 and then again in 07. So uh, I think Russo's a little bit off there. I think he might be drinking the same alcohol that Todd was drinking tonight because, I mean, <laughs> that's just <laughs> that's just a weird thing to be saying right there. But as as the Red Sox hold on, and uh, do, do you think that we're going to get a one-game playoff in both leagues? Do you think the Braves are going to be playing the Cardinals to see who goes to the playoffs? And do you think that the Rays are going to be playing the Red Sox? Uh, I hope not. You know, I really want... And I was talking to my buddy who's a big Yankees fan. I was telling him that, you know what, I don't care what what is going on. The fact is that I would much rather, as a Yankee fan, face the Rays and the Red Sox. Why? Because the Red Sox have a danger of getting hot. They have too much talent on their team. They have MVP candidate, my boy, Adrian Gonzalez, uh, getting the job done over there. So I, I just can't... I, I fail to see how, as a, as a, if you are a Yankees fan, you'd want to, you'd rather the Red Sox lose to the Rays. I mean, you don't want to face the Sox in the playoffs because if they do make it in, odds are they're not going to continue the slide. They're going to have to get off it sooner or later. They're too good of a team. There's too much talent there. So I believe that uh, if you're a Yankee fan, you got to be rooting hard for the Rays. <laughs> I, I told them if I was the Yankees, I'd even let the Rays win because there's a better chance that I overcome them than I do the Sox. But hopefully it won't be a one-game playoff, and hopefully the Sox will get their stuff together in the last couple of days and, and win, and then go into the playoffs and, and catch on fire, sir. And my final nugget on baseball, because uh, what I heard this week on the radio was just so asinine, I have to bring it up, is that people were discussing how Joe Girardi should be considered for manager of the year, and to me that is just a farce. I think the race is between two managers. Uh, I think it's between, well, I think in the AL, I think, Joe Madden, if he somehow sneaks into the playoffs with the Tampa Bay Rays with that team, I think he should get manager of the year. But I also think that Tony Russo, as much as I don't, as I don't like the guy, I think he's been he's been doing a great job with that team, considering he has no Chris Carpenter the whole year, his ace, and they're about to catch up onto the Braves after tonight if they hold on and win this game nine to six. I think those are your two manager of the year candidates. I think Joe Madden and Tony Larusso. Anybody that thinks that Joe Girardi should be considered manager of the year for what the Yankees went through this year is just, like, absurd because you have a, an all-star basically every position. I know that their pitching staff is not that great, but you got Marion Rivera, the best closer in the game, and you got CC Sabathia, one of the stud aces of the, of the league, of the Major League Baseball, sir. You cannot tell me that Joe Girardi should be a candidate for manager of the year. 
Absolutely not. I completely agree with you. I think it has to be an absolute fool and a moron. And, um, you know, Craig Carton, I'm looking at you. You have to be an absolute jerk to even say something so stupid that, that Joe Girardi deserves manager of the year. I mean, come on. You talk about not knowing sports. You talk about not knowing anything. That alone proves ignorance. I don't care if you're a Yankee fan. I don't care if you like the – and whatever team you like, there's no way – Joe Girardi deserves consideration. There's way too much payroll, way too much talent on this team. I mean, it's ridiculous. The Yankees should win. The Yankees should win the World Series every year. So to say something like that, it's just so dumb. It just makes me wonder how people get away with this stupidity, sir. This just that, That's the only word for it. It's asinine, and it's just idiotic to think that. Yep. So as we uh, end the baseball season, playoffs are right around the corner. So it is definitely a great time for sport fans. you got baseball playoffs and you got football I don't think it's a better time of year, to be honest with you, sir, other than maybe, you know, if you're talking about, I don't know, the Super Bowl in January or February nowadays. But I think this is the best time to watch, you know, you get to watch playoff, meaningful playoff baseball games. And NFL games are always entertaining to watch because they're always once a week. So those are always good to watch. So uh, it's going to be good to see. Uh, I already bought my Detroit Tiger gear, my... Uh, Texas Ranger gear I have from last year. So, you know, I'm jumping on those bandwagons as we get ready to play against the Yankees. <laughs> we? What are you, uh, a Mets fan for the Tigers now? Is that, is that what we're doing, sir? Are we going down that road? Oh, uh, you could guarantee I will not be rooting for the Yankees. So any team that beats the Yankees, they're my new favorite team for the year. Let me ask you this. What about uh, a comment that was made by one Sidney Arthur Rosenberg over on Twitter? I know you were going a little back and forth with him. What do you think about that whole deal of, oh, i got to give the Yankees credit. You know, they they won. I don't like them, but i got to give them credit. Give us your take on that, sir. Yeah, I don't know if Sid was doing it because he's got a lot of Yankee fans that listen to him on his radio station, but I don't think you should be congratulating the Yankees at all, ever, publicly, because, ever. again, like – Ever. Like you said, this is a team that spends, what, over $200 million in payroll, and you, you figure this is a team that should win every year, considering that they do get the best players, and even if they don't get the best players, and I understand that you have to perform on the field, but, you know, they the Yankees could eat their mistakes as other teams really can't. I mean, even the, the Mets can't really eat their mistakes. The Yankees just you know, are a money, a cash cow, if you will, and I don't need to hear no Met fan like Sid Rosenberg congratulating the New York Yankees on the radio and then saying that, you know, you can't have any sour grapes. I mean, screw that. I'm going to have sour grapes. I do not congratulate the New York Yankees. I will never congratulate the New York Yankees. They are just a team that, of course, the more money you spend, this team makes the playoffs every year, sir. And why? Because their salary is their, their team salary is over $200 million. That's true, and, you know, that that's definitely part of it. But, I mean, if the Red Sox collapse now, it'll show you that payroll doesn't do everything. Of course, the Yankees don't win every year, but the truth is that they're always competitive there. What was the last time the Yankees didn't make the playoffs? I don't even remember the last time the Yankees didn't make the playoffs. I mean, probably, what, are we going back to 94 if the Yankees didn't make it, sir? No, it was, uh, wasn't it 2000 and... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. It was the first year, the first year Girardi was manager, right? Right. Right. Yeah, right. The first year after Joe Tony, you're right, sir. So, all right, my mistake. But one year they don't make the playoffs, and before that it goes all the way back to 1994 when the season 
um, you know, if you have that strike-shortened year, Yankees make the playoffs every year. You're talking in a, in, a, in a period of, what, 17 years? The Yankees have made it 16 times. I mean, come on, folks. Let's be real here. The Yankees should win. They should win every year. They should win the World Series every year. And the fact that they don't, you know, is why George would fire people and then go nuts and trade people. You know, the truth is the Yankees can eat mistakes like nobody else, like you said. And their mistakes that they eat, you know, sir, if you added them up on any given year, they would probably account for more total payroll than other entire teams. So, you know, let, let's all calm down, folks. Yep, and, you know, the bottom line is that the Yankees' payroll is about 200 and, uh I think this year it's almost $210 million a year, and the Tampa Bay Rays is only about $42 million a year. A-Rod is making $32 million a year, so think about that when you do the math. And, you know, all I can say is the Yankees could go to hell in the cell because let's move on. Right, right. Let's talk move on from that. Now, uh, sir, is there anything else when it comes to that, or, or, you know, shall we get on the next guest? No, Hell in the Cell, let's do it. Folks, we have joining us from his very own personal Hell in the Cell, the one and only Pyro Falcon, who, uh, as always, is a, you know, much vaunted member of our staff. Pyro, how are you doing, sir? Good evening, guys. I'm doing okay. That's good. That's always good. baseball and football talk today. Oh, very of course, good. yeah, you, you gotta love it. I mean, you know, we we've been sitting here last week, for example, we, we we had one of our longest shows ever, and we basically only talked wrestling. So, you know, we figured we'd do the opposite this week. Pyro, give us your take on Monday Night Raw as we uh, head into Hell in a Cell, which you know, I'll just throw this out there. To me, Hell in a Cell is totally overrated and overblown. And when I hear Jim Ross talk about how it ends careers and shortens careers, you know what? When I, we went to the Hell in a Cell, Joe and I, my wife, went a couple years ago. Nobody's career got shortened. Nobody's career got ended. Nobody bled. Nobody did anything. You know, it used to be a great match. It used to be a, you know, once a year attraction. Now it's, you know, two, three times in that one pay-per-view. So it's totally lost its luster. But anyway, give us your take on the whole situation, sir. Yeah, Hell in a Cell has become about as uh, dangerous as walking through a tulip-filled garden while you're surrounded by butterflies and a magical shield. So it's, you know, I was hoping after the SmackDown thing last week when I attended it live with Cody Rhodes bleeding as profusely as he did that uh, that was sort of a precursor to Hell in a Cell actually being violent. But clearly, considering how badly uh, SmackDown was edited, you know, clearly uh, that isn't happening. And, in fact, I wanted to uh, actually do a throwback to last week because I forgot to mention one thing. Uh, Just in case you guys didn't read my recap, after Cody Rhodes bled, Orton stole the bloody towel, and he uh, proceeded to wipe himself down. But then for reasons that I still probably don't want to know, he decided to floss his crotch with the bloody towel. And remember, you know, Orton is wearing nothing because he's got his little, you know, super tight trunks on. And he flosses his crotch, which clearly would not have any blood on it, but he flosses his crotch with a bloody towel. And that pretty much right there sums up the character of Randy Orton. It also but, um, up his, uh, his intelligence. Let's, let's throw that out there. I heard about the bloody towel, and I was like, you know what, bad. And my wife being a nurse, that's disgusting. It is disgusting. Orton is a disgusting person. But anyway, <laughs> on your actual question, um, I thought overall Raw was pretty tepid. Um, I mean, it, it was okay going into uh, a pay-per-view, but, I mean, if you look, really over half the guys who were even on Raw were from SmackDown. So that tells you the SmackDown side of this pay-per-view is going to be extremely weak. I mean, yeah, you have Punk, Alberto Del Rio, and Cena, and, of course, that's the main event, but other than that, I honestly don't even know who else. I mean, 
you you might have a Dolph Ziggler versus Zack Ryder match for the U.S. title. I don't know if that's even been announced, but you know, other than those two, there is nothing going on Raw for the pay per view, and that's kind of scary. But uh, as far as the the main event, Alberto Del Rio Punk and Cena, that was actually pretty solid. I thought it wasn't you know a fantastic match. I don't think it was a pay per view type match, uh, the main event, but. It was okay. It was pretty good. Very solid. And the fact that the Punk one was pretty surprising. Um, I'm not keen on the whole Hell in the Cell was mysteriously lowered because obviously John Laryngitis had something to do with that. But, uh, you know, <laughs> at least the main event of Hell in the Cell should be pretty entertaining. Right, right. Now, who do you think is going to walk away from that specific match with the uh, with the title, sir? I mean, are we looking at a 20-year John Cena title reign? Yeah, I'm thinking. I mean, I, has Cena ever held the title for less than, you know, a couple months at a stretch? I mean, the, the way it is, I mean, if Cena loses it, that means he would have been, he would have had his 10th run as champion for only two weeks. And that just doesn't seem like Cena's character, you know. So I, I figure Cena's going to walk out with the title, although I'm sure shenanigans will be involved. But, you know, I figure something will happen. Maybe Kevin Nash will be involved. It'll give Punk something to do that doesn't involve the title. So Cena can win the title, or keep the title, rather, and, I don't know, feud with Alberto Del Rio, and then Punk can keep doing this conspiracy BS that he's doing. So I I honestly think Hell in a Cell isn't going to change anything. It's just going to be business as usual. Yeah, and speaking of business as usual, not changing anything, I I know you're not a a huge fan of his. I was up until recently, and and, and I'd like Joe to chime in on this, even though I know what he's going to say, but for the benefit of our audience, it seems like Alberto Del Rio has really just gone – so far backwards, I was so excited for him. I was happy that he won everything. I was happy that he won the Royal Rumble, and then he's going to get title shot at WrestleMania. And I thought he was going to beat Edge. That didn't happen. Then, of course, when the latter match with Christian, I thought he might win there. That didn't happen. And he finally won the Money in the Bank. He finally did that. You know, they've been pushing this guy to the moon, but he seems to have taken an enormous step or two backwards ever since coming to Raw. And he just seems out of place. His promos are not that great. In this view with Cena, he's looked weak. Um, his, he just doesn't sound good on the microphone. It's definitely disappointing. Uh, give me your take on that, sir. Um, honestly, I don't think he has st- taken a step backwards. I think he's always been at this level. I think he's always been an underachiever, or I guess to say he's always been an overachiever. He gets these pushes that he doesn't deserve. I've never really been a fan of his. And, I mean, he's technically good in the ring, but I really don't think his promos have gotten any worse. They just, he, I mean, he's always been this bad, in my opinion. All he's been doing is talking about destiny for the last year. And, you know, and you know, I, I'm with you on, you know, he got the push. I'm glad he got the push. I like seeing guys succeed, and especially guys whose last names are not Cena or Orton. But he hasn't really done anything with it. And, I mean, frankly, his feud with Cena right now, to me, reminds me of his feud with Rey Mysterio. I just, I don't care. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope he doesn't stay in the main event. I hope that... Cena does win in an effort to push Alberto Del Rio further down the card, but I highly doubt that's going to happen. But you but, know what, though, Pyro, I don't mean to cut you off, but you know what? The truth is, this whole situation with with him and and Cena and just whatever, you, however you want to you want to slice it, I mean, he looks he's looked bad, and you know, again, we're going to differ on our opinion of him, but he's looked bad in this whole thing. He's looked weak. Um, he hasn't looked, you know, two week title reign. What was the point of giving him the title for that sort of a reign? I mean, it just it doesn't make any sense to me, sir. Why? Why do, This proves that the Money in the Bank thing really is a failure. It doesn't make stars. It doesn't do anything. All it does is 
give somebody the title temporarily because the WWE doesn't know how to book them, and then they go right down the toilet right afterwards, the exception being Edge, who won two Money in the Banks and, you know, became a permanent main eventer out of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, like, like uh, we talked about last week, let's be honest. As long as the WWE Championship belt looks like it does with Cena's, as long as Orton is over on SmackDown, the belt is his. It's just a matter of whether he's letting someone borrow it at that moment or not. And it's, you know, wrestling's become stagnant. Punk is being, is like the one shining light left in WWE. But when the writers don't want to give him the chance to be that shining light, I mean, he can't do anything. It's like with Christian. I mean, Christian won the belt, but he only had, a, you know, the first win when he was a face. He had the belt. He only had it for five days. And, you know, the the... WWE even admitted, you know, off camera, obviously, they gave Christian the belt as an honor to Edge, and they couldn't believe that the internet fallout, that everyone is screaming that Christian, you know, should have the belt longer, they, they couldn't understand that. And that says how far out of touch Vince and the writers are. They just don't understand that we don't like Orton or Cena or Alberto Del Rio or any of these other people they think they're pushing. They're, right. they're trying to make... Really, they're trying to make- yeah, they're trying to make Mark Henry believable as a world heavyweight champion. Do you think they're do you yeah, think they're succeeding? I, uh they're succeeding in putting me to sleep. I have not been this bored watching WWE since well, I probably have never been this bored watching WWE. I mean Mark Henry is champion, but it's a horrible idea. He doesn't deserve it. He never deserved it. It's great that WWE wants to reward one of their longtime workers. It is great. I do appreciate that. Heck, we're all working men here. We like it when our companies, you know, show us that, you know, they appreciate our work. But to give him the title when he objectively is a poor wrestler, objectively is bad on the mic, you know, it's it's not entertaining. So, well, let me ask you this. I think, I think at this point, Zack Ryder's internet championship belt is more uh, worthwhile than Mark Henry holding the world heavyweight championship. Well, I mean, he's better than uh, he's better on the microphone than uh, Randy Orton, like I said. So I think that that, that in, in and of itself, you know, he deserves that much of a push over Orton. But the truth is that, and Joe, obviously, you can chime in on this. Mark Henry is overrated. He, I don't understand why everybody's in love with Mark Henry. I've seen, you know, I've heard people, you know, I've heard uh, Justin on his show. I've heard so many people talk about how great Mark Henry is. And I just don't see it. I mean, I get that he's intense and stuff, which is cool. They're putting, doing the monster heel route. But, I mean, this guy should have been fired 10, 15 years ago. And here he is, his world heavyweight champion. And it just bugs me. What, what do you think about that, JB? Yeah, I mean, Mark Henry is, to me, they haven't done enough with him. And I don't think they can do enough with him to make him a, a credible champion. I mean, all he's doing is just squashing people, literally. I mean, I don't know how that really works. I don't think Mark Henry is ever going to be a believable champion, but, you know, it's good to see Randy Orton not the champion. Um, but the two things I want to ask Pyro, too, is that now that we've had Kevin Nash, The Miz, and R-Truth fired, quote-unquote, is this the start of, like, a, a little faction that's going to come and, like, interfere with the WWE? Is this, like, the beginning of a... I don't know, an NWO like we discussed a couple weeks ago. I mean, where do these guys fit into the the storyline now that they're quote-unquote fired? It wouldn't surprise me if that's where we're heading. I mean, if, uh, you know, WWE isn't afraid to plagiarize itself, and uh, the NWO, back when that happened, was an extremely good idea. It saved WCW, and in fact, it made uh, viewers prefer WCW. So, uh, you know, WWE might be out of ideas at this point, just like Hollywood is out of ideas if we have a movie of rock and soccer and robots. 
So I figure, um, you know, if because you can have John Laurinaitis lead this new alternate faction or some crap and put Miz and Truth and uh, 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 Diesel as captains or some crap, and I, I don't know. Um, I hope that's not where they're heading with it because I always like seeing original writing, but, you know, that, that well, might that, be where we're heading. Yeah, we're also headed towards a Survivor Series where John Cena and uh, The Rock are going to team up for one time only. Can they be facing a team like, you know, this faction of the, I'm going to call it the NWO, I don't know what else to call them, but do you think that this is who John Cena and The Rock are going to be facing at Survivor Series? That's an interesting idea. I hadn't thought that far ahead. Um, that could be what's going on. I I honestly have no idea. And and usually I, I like writing out WWE storylines because, you know, as I've admitted publicly here in, on Online Onslaught, I'm a mark. And I've always been a mark at heart, and I try not to overthink wrestling too much. But in this case, um, I haven't thought that far ahead because I just don't really care. You know, it, Rock will sell tickets for Survivor Series. That's great, but... You know, if there's going to be any sort of faction, they're going to need someone better than frickin' Kevin Nash to represent themselves, you know. I, I, I don't know. There's, someone else would have to join it who's actually a main car, uh, main eventer right now. And, right. you know, I don't know. But I don't see who they could fire or, you know, Future Endeavor or whatever the case is. I mean, you know, they, they're good. They're good talents. They're, they're entertaining, as it were. But, uh, you know, I mean, they could always have somebody like a John Morrison to the faction because it seems like he's actually literally on his way out the door and he's going to be future endeavored. But you're right, that's not going to be that main event talent, as it were. I don't know who they would add or, or what the case would be. I mean, you know, I, I hear there's rumors of a Booker T in ring return. I mean, maybe we'll tie into this somehow. I know Vince is in love with his, uh, his commentary, which I can't understand. But or maybe uh, David Otonga is going to lead his little band of plaintiffs over there, and you know we'll, the 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 new NWO will feature Swagger and Dolph and uh, whoever else he was talking to. Um, who else? I can't was, even remember who he was talking to on Raw. That's pretty bad. It was it was uh, Christian Ziggler and Cody Rhodes. Those are the guys that he was talking to. And you know I have to admit, as, oh, much, right, as, right. as much as I dislike David Otonga, um, that was actually the, about the best role that he's ever had. And, probably the best he's ever been uh, mic-wise because probably because he was speaking on something he actually knows something about, which would be legal matters, you know, being that he did go to uh, what's it, Harvard or whatever the case is, and he has a law degree. So if they're going to use him in that role, that that's actually not bad. So maybe they'll actually get some use out of Atunga other than being Mr. Jennifer Hudson. Maybe, but yeah. uh, and I, I have a bittersweet uh, opinion of his line where he said uh, that I, I, I went, um, oh, I'm not practicing right now, but that doesn't mean I'm not a lawyer. And I would love to say, well, I'm not in the NFL right now, but that doesn't mean I'm a starting quarterback. And it's, I, I'm trying to figure out if he meant that line seriously or not, because if he did, then he's an idiot. But if he was actually joking, that was kind of funny. So I don't know. I don't know what to think of Otonga. Although you're right, I agree. Like, this was pretty much uh, the best he's ever been, which is sad considering he's not in the ring. So. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> I, hey, Pyro, while I have you, let me ask you this. Uh, you had mentioned uh, last week, or maybe last, uh, maybe two weeks ago, that um, the two Sinkara storyline. One of them is Daniel Bryan, but we saw Daniel Bryan inside that battle royal to kick off Raw. So who is the other Sinkara? Uh, I said he was the other Daniel Bryan. I thought you said one of them was Daniel Bryan. What are you talking about? Uh, he, he was fighting Daniel Bryan. Pyro never said it. Joe, yeah. Are you on that stuff that uh, Todd was on earlier? All right, so just tell me who the other Sinkara is. 
well, oh, I don't know who he is. I know, I know, uh, he's a Mexican wrestler from FCW, but I don't know what his name is. Uh, side note, he's actually a Puerto Rican wrestler from FCW. Let's get that straight. And second of all, he's a guy named Unico, uh, which means unique, as it were. And uh, he, I read the spoilers for SmackDown, and of course, we love spoilers here. Uh, what what actually is going to happen is that this this Friday or Tuesday or whatever day you want to use it tonight <laughs> yeah tonight right now as we speak um the other Sin Cara I guess the bad one comes out with a black outfit uh well he comes out in the you know the, the traditional like turquoise and yellow gold and then he takes it off and he's got a black outfit a black mask or whatever the case is underneath the outfit so I guess we'll be able to tell the difference between the two Sin Caras and it should be interesting to see um I heard that they're they, they're going to try to push this maybe all the way to WrestleMania because. The WWE has some idiotic idea where they want to break the all-time record of most people having a mask in one building, and they're going to try to break it at WrestleMania 28. So I, I, I don't know where that's going, but uh, you know, maybe Pyro is actually the other Sin Cara. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not that skinny, so sadly that is not me. And besides, if I was anywhere near WWE, wouldn't you think I'd be chasing after the divas instead of you know actually paying attention to the match? Oh, uh, knowing you, of course, that that would definitely be your uh, that that would definitely exactly. be your focus. Now, so uh, you know, Natalia probably needs some extra training, so I'd be more than happy oh, to give it to her. Right, folks. Here we go. We're gonna we're gonna PG is gonna be taken off the air for being uh, offensive content. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. Uh, let's talk about the, speaking of bathroom breaks and the divas. This this whole Kelly Kelly storyline, uh, Kelly Kelly Kelly. Now, Beth Kelly has lost a lot to Kelly has lost Kelly. a lot to uh, pay per views. Um, sorry, Beth Phoenix has lost the last two pay-per-views to Kelly. I mean, is she going to get the title this Sunday, or, or, or what, what What are they doing in the WWE? Can, can somebody explain to me what in the world is going on with this whole uh, situation? One of them needs to get the title. I, do they even have a match for this Sunday? I can't yeah, even remember. They do. They yeah, do. They they do. Right? The match both Beth and uh, Kelly, 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 yet again. Okay, I was going to say, the only way this can be interesting to me at this point is if Beth wins it and then uh, Natalia's jealous and wants it and then those two go at it. But, you know, Kelly Kelly is over with the WWE just like Orton is for reasons that I cannot possibly understand, and I just don't care anymore. I hate the women's division. Well, I hate what the women's division has become. It's fun to watch Natalia, and, in fact, her um, finisher or her new submission she busted out on Eve, looked painful as heck. My back was hurting just watching it. And, you know, it shows how good Natalia can be in the ring when the handcuffs are off. I mean, I would love for Kelly Kelly and Eve to be shown the door. Let's get uh, Gail Kim back in here and let Gail and uh, Natalia have a match. That would be pretty entertaining. But, I don't know. The women's division uh, resumes its joke status and... I don't know. I don't even care about the women's division anymore. <laughs> yeah, the only reason I mentioned is because there's got to be somebody out there who actually does care. What's interesting to me is is that, you know, people can say whatever they want about men and, oh, you know, men check this out and they're perfect or whatever. But the truth of the matter is that when it comes to divas wrestling, um, men men could care less. And, and obviously, you know, we had Alicia on from uh, WSU a couple, of, a couple of weeks back, or, yeah, a couple of weeks back, and, uh, you know, Divas wrestling could be so great, but unfortunately, the mainstream wrestling uh, companies, it's not, and it, it really is a joke. And men use it as a bathroom break. They're not, they're not checking out the divas because they want to perv on them. You know, they'll watch it if there's nothing else on, or they'll literally go to the bathroom. And I've heard so many men say that that it's interesting. Women can think whatever they want, but we're we're not even interested in the divas, regardless of what they look like. And some of them are, are you know, 
are, are beautiful women. Just who cares? None of us care. You don't care. Right. And it's because the WWE right. has done such a bad job of of booking it. So if if Beth loses again three pay per views in a row, I mean they had they busted out the video package uh, on Monday. That that got me wondering. I mean, are we looking at a long term Kelly Kelly title ring? Because that would be terrible. And then is Natalia going to go on and, and fight uh, with her for the title? But you know, uh, moving on from that. Now, let, let's talk a, a bit uh, about the mid-card. Now, what do you think is going to happen in this whole situation with uh, Dolph Ziggler and uh, the United States title and, of course, Jack Swagger? Are we looking at the possibility of our boy Zack Ryder winning the United States title and actually having a real title? If Zack Ryder wins it, he's going to lose it pretty quick. Um, I, I don't think WWE takes him seriously as anything. I mean, he's one of those guys who is over with the fans, but WWE doesn't care about that. It, it's weird. That's that's one thing I never understood about WWE was its inconsistency. I mean, you know, you have guys like Orton who the crowd loves, and suddenly he's this face and pushed to the moon, whereas you have Zack Ryder who the crowd loves, but he doesn't quite get that push. Even CM Punk isn't quite getting that push now. Uh, well, I guess he is kind of now, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> if Zack wins, which, I don't know, I... It, I, I I think he will just because if if you go into the pay-per-view and you have a lot of heels winning, then you kind of burn out the crowd. You have to give them something, you know, to be happy about. So, in fact, if you get the title off of Dolphin onto Zack Ryder, uh, Jack Swagger can come up and take the belt off of him, and then Dolphin, Jack can feud, or, you know, Vicky can do whatever she's doing and hype Jack. You know, there are several possibilities. But you don't like having a heel versus heel match, so you don't want to put Dolph versus Jack Swagger. So you can get the title off Dolph, and then Jack can get it that way. Um, I hope he wins it. It'll be amusing, and everyone will cheer. Of course. And it's interesting you mentioned how uh, the the WWE doesn't take seriously what we fans take seriously in terms of of the appeal, because people like Zack Ryder. You know, he's he's very popular with the fans. And you you mentioned CM Punk. CM Punk was pretty uh you know pretty popular with the fans uh you know he still is the WWE kind of sort of listened to that but not really because he's not the champion so uh you know Triple H can say whatever he wants he can say oh you know you guys uh you gotta get yourself over with the crowd uh you gotta you know <laughs> do this and that and Triple H uh. speaking of which I was in the uh I was at the what, what was it the parking lot today of a restaurant I was doing the Triple H water spit just thought I'd throw that out there, but you know he, he can say whatever he wants on on television that it's about getting over with the fans, but it doesn't seem to be. It's about getting over with the office. I mean, the fact that Johnny Laurinaitis has a job. I mean, seriously, really, he's exactly. awful. Well, I mean, I, I mean, going back to the divas, I did want to mention one thing. I mean, with all my joking aside, the reason I do like watching divas matches when they're actually on is because the women do or can do things that the men can't do, and and with the current WWE structure with no cruiserweights. One thing the women can do is put on technical matches that some of the guys can't. And if you bring, like, Gail Kim back, toss Kelly and Eve out of the picture, you bring uh, Gail back, who has this submission style that's just incredible to watch. And some of the other girls, like Melina, you know, with her flexibility, can take those kind of moves, and it just makes this it's, – it's a more unique type of match. It's not just a bathroom break match. It's – you know, just something different, something interesting to watch. And, you know, obviously at some point men even cared about the Divas back when uh, Lita and Trish were able to main event Raw one day and had a full-blown 12-minute title match that the fans were into. No one got up to leave that. And, and, 
you know, they could do it still, but I think this is a situation where, like you said, WWE has lost touch, and they've come to the point where they think they know what we want. So rather than worrying about women who can wrestle and actually do the moves and put on a good show, they trot out blondes out, and they just try to figure out which one has the loudest reaction just because, I don't know, they have the biggest cup size or something, and that's the one they push, you know? Right. So... It's it's weird. I mean, to me, the women's division shouldn't be a bikini contest. It should be something better. I mean, just because, uh, you know, Gail, in my opinion, is one of the most attractive women I've ever seen. And, but besides Easy, that, she's a, Easy. she's a fantastic wrestler. So, uh-huh. you know, it's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, I thought right. the problem. I thought the problem with the whole women's division is when they created that second belt and they started. They called one belt the Divas title. I mean, that right yeah. there, I think, is a knock on the whole division. Well, that and the fact that they absorb, you know, the, they absorb the women's championship into the Divas belt rather than the other way around. You know, right. I mean, it's like you said. You know, it's WWE is full of divas. They're not full of female wrestlers like they used to be. And I don't know. I hope we revert back from that at some point, but as long as Laurinaitis has a job, I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. Right, I agree with that. Now, uh, give us your, your final predictions and, and thoughts on the on the pay-per-view stars we wrap up. Um, you mentioned that Cena is going to keep the title, which we agree. Do you think that uh, Mark Henry will keep the belt, or is uh, Randy Orton going to get it back right away? Uh, I think he's going to. I think Henry's going to keep the belt only because uh, for him too, it's been too soon. I I really don't think um, other than maybe. Zach winning, or and maybe Beth winning. Um, I don't think Hell in a Cell is going to change anything that we're seeing right now because it's been it, it's only been two weeks. That's another problem with having fourteen or sixteen pay per views a year. That when you have these double ups in one month, you can't do anything dramatic. So yeah, I, I'm I'm calling uh, Henry over Orton and Cena in the triple threat match. Uh, unfortunately, and in fact, that's why I'm actually not going to be buying this one. Oh, of course. I mean, there, uh, there's. A, I have absolutely no interest in watching this pay-per-view, and even the next one, which will be, I want to be looking at Vengeance. I mean, who who cares about these pay-per-views? They're it's so, they're so terrible. The fact that people actually shell out money makes me wonder, what, you know, what they're thinking. It, WWE should be giving these pay-per-views for free. I mentioned it last week. The the internet pay-per-view should be cheaper. They should be like, you know, half the price of anything. You know, or, or you know, if the regular pay-per-view is forty, forty-five, these should be thirty. I mean, they should be cheaper and you know, get the fans in there, get more people interested. And the buy rates have been down. I know the buy rate for uh, uh, SummerSlam was down like 50,000 bucks from last year with, uh, you know, Punk and Tina headlining. So they want more people to pay pay up. You know what? Give us a better product. You know, give us uh, three pay-per-views in five weeks. Exactly. I think they should revert to the monthly pay-per-views and be done with it. I mean, just do one a month. That alone is going to, you know, make the product more exciting. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think, I think that's too much. But, you know, at the minimum – do no more than uh, 12 in a year. I mean, you know, honestly, I'd prefer like eight or nine or even 10. You know, maybe you could have a two pay-per-views, like uh, get rid of the pay-per-view before the – get rid of the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, move that to another part of the year so that you can have the focus on Rumble the Road to WrestleMania, and then get rid of uh, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view in October because it's, it's idiotic, and then you have 10 pay-per-views and more people would buy them and you'd be good to go. Yep, exactly. Of course, WWE won't do that because of the money, uh, you know. And, in fact, I was going to figure, uh, DG, that, let me guess, you're going to be first in line to buy that Randy Orton story DVD, aren't you? Oh, well, actually, uh, I'm getting an autographed copy of it. I mean, it's already it's already on its way to my house. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm a huge Randy Orton fan that I am. 
I absolutely cannot wait for that one. Of course. Maybe they'll have bonus footage of him flossing his crotch with a bloody towel. <laughs> well, uh, I'm sure that Joe will be watching that footage of bated breath. Now, Pyro, you know, of course, as always, uh, you know, having you on the show, it's a pleasure, it's an honor, it's a privilege. We appreciate you giving us your take, and as only you can, of course, uh, you know, for those of you idiots out there, I'm sorry, morons, I mean, uh, buffoons. Yeah, I can't find a nice way to say it. For those of you clowns out there who are going to order this paper, you should be ashamed of yourselves. But, Pyro, again, it's been a pleasure. And, of course, next week, uh, hopefully we'll have you on. We'll talk about uh, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And then, of course, the pay-per-view the day after, which they should just have vengeance on Monday and Hell in a Cell on Sunday because that's how ridiculous they are. But, sir, we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Have a good one. You too, sir. Take care. Folks, as the only Pyro Falcon, you can check out his writing over on OnlineOnslaught.com. And, of course, this Pyro's not allowed to on this show. Just, just you know, be warned. There's some there's some adult language in there. Uh, <laughs> we got to make sure we tell Pyro to, you know, keep it PG on this show. But, of course, uh, you know, he's a, he's a very smart man. Excellent writer also. You know, if I could just uh, plug him as well. He, he really has a great writing style, which is what interested me in getting him on the show in the first place because Joe and I are both big fans of his work. Uh, you know, again, edited... <laughs> We're big fans of his work and his style, so check him out over there at Online Onslaught. JB, we're closing out the show. Give us your final thoughts. Yeah, I just want to say one final thought on wrestling and WWE. As good as we thought it was a couple months ago with the whole CM Punk and, you know, just telling it like it is, it seems like he's back in. He's still sort of main event status, but he's not He's not what he was like a couple weeks ago or even a couple months ago. So as good as that was, I think WWE – the the product itself has gotten bad bad again. Even though Triple H kind of tries to makes it interesting, but and he's trying to save both Raw and SmackDown by making these super shows. And remember, there's no, you know, there's still a, a brand split between Raw and SmackDown. Even though I don't see it anymore, um, it's just a shame that you know the whole CM Punk thing seems to have died out, and um, it's just not that interesting to me anymore. Uh, unfortunately, I agree with you, and I think they dropped the ball a bit on Punk. They should have kept him out longer. We'll see where this whole future Endeavor faction goes. But, uh, you know, again, we'll, 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 all we can do is wait and see. It's definitely not an exciting time, as it were, and, and they've messed quite a few things up. And, I, of course, I disagree wholeheartedly with Pyro and Alberto Del Rio, but the truth is that he he's just not that interesting anymore. They really messed him up. The Miz is doing his thing, or, you know, as it were. But I actually believe that... Uh, you know, well, there's just so much talent there, but they're not properly utilizing it, sir. There's, there's no no doubt about that. But, folks, this, of course, is the greatest show on earth. You can uh, check us out, puregoldpg.com. Our call-in number, call-in now as we're going off the air, 714-364-4721. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and all that other hot mess. One of these days we'll make another YouTube video. Folks, we have a couple of guests that we're in the process of getting lined up, and of course we'll give you more detail. We hope to have the one and only Carl Banks, football legend, giant legend, joining us uh, next Tuesday. But of course, you know we, we've been trying to get Carl on, and it's just been it's been a bit of a, of a you know situation, as it were. Uh, we're also in the process of getting on the one and only folks. You're not going to believe this name, but we're going to Thor Ramsey, Christian comedian, very funny guy. Uh, hopefully he's joining us next Thursday. We're, again, we'll finalize that. And if you follow us on Twitter, we'll be, of course, updating it. But he should be joining us. And we've got some exciting things. We've also got some other things in the works. Make sure to check us out and follow us. For JB, this is DG of Pure Gold, reminding you to always keep it PG. Good night, everybody.